Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hey, this is Jess Malboy, proud to be heard on the beautiful Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That, Joy 94.9 with Chris, Gordon and Bill. We're here again, gentlemen. Oh, just another week's gone by. <laughs> well, my week was gay. <clears throat> was it gay, was it? Didn't go by. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. If you don't want to be bi, you can be gay. I don't mind. <laughs> it's not a choice, Gordon. It's never a choice. No, you're right there. <laughs> yes. Lady Gaga said, I was born this way. We were, certainly, yes. Uh, well. And there's, we're going to be talking a bit about that a bit later, well, aren't we? We certainly are. Yes, yes. Uh, but it was interesting to note in last weekend's mm. press, or as a result of some discussions that had been held publicly, that female genital mutilation is apparently now fashionable for some of our young college girls who think that they don't look the way they want to look downstairs, mm. as they said on the radio, downstairs. They've been complaining too much to their mothers about these things and then going to the medicals to have plastic surgery. Oh, my God. We are as we are. Look, they've they've been trying to get the culture from the African countries to stop doing it. Exactly. And now they... Oh, Lord. Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. That's not a very smart thing to do. I'm so completely unqualified to comment on (laughs) this subject. Well, I will get into heaven minus my tonsils and my appendix. I minus my tonsils, yes. The rest of me giblets are all there, so... Well, I didn't have any say in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know but there was, about that. there was a story about these two little boys talking. Yeah. And they were talking about circumcision. Mm-hmm. And they like five or six. And one little boy was circumcised and the other wasn't. And the boy who wasn't circumcised asked him, did it hurt? He said, I don't remember if it hurt or not, but I couldn't walk for two years. <laughs> uh, yes, fair enough yeah, there. Yeah. Um, thanks for being with us, our little history program, and we'll talk about things that are not historical. Some are hysterical. We'll be having a little bit of fun along the way, but we'll have some serious subjects as well. And because it's NADOC week coming up, we'll be talking about that as well. But a couple of matters appeared in the press recently that I saw online. I thought, well, they're worth making a comment about. The first one we'd like to talk about is the New South Wales police admit to the, a wave of gay deaths back in the late 70s and 80s. And this was actually discussed on Sat Magazine last weekend. Uh, if you want to go and listen to mm-hmm. the uh, New South Wales Police Commissioner, I think it was, who was explaining the situation. It was very interesting, Chris, because I did listen to it. It's a very interesting discussion. Okay, um, and I suggest that uh, anybody you'd like to uh, get the real police... <laughs> 
mm. situation or position explained to them, uh, there the commissioner will actually say it. But apparently, uh, after a three-year review of 88 murders, a task force from the New South Wales Police found that at least 27 men were slain by homophobic killers between 1975 and the year 2000. In 25 other cases, anti-gay motivation could not be ruled out. Oh yes, it was very well. It was a every time they they did it in New South Wales, there was something in the papers about it. You know, well they, there was they the just crimes didn't. of the deaths, but then there was the crime of the police not following well, up. Well, they didn't. No. Uh, police and researchers agreed that eight of the twenty-seven deaths were hate crimes. The remaining nineteen cases were probably anti-gay bias as well. Hmm. But they are often extreme and brutal. Being thrown off the cliff top is not a particularly delicate activity. No. And it was at the uh, the height of the AIDS crisis when anti-gay sentiment was at its peak. Gay men were targeted. Well, they were finding them everywhere. They were finding bodies in parks and all sorts of yeah. things at the time. And, and for so, uh, they never ever sort of did much about it. They, yeah. they just let it drift along. Are they saying now that in that time a gay life was not considered worthy? It would appear that that was the sentiment. So we had zero value, so why investigate? Probably That's saving money. So not to, cold. Yeah. It's, it's come to a fore because there's been a, a lot of aggravation about a couple of the deaths. One was an American lad who was out here on a study tour, a study thing in university, and his brother came out several several times to wonder why the, the police hadn't done something about it, and he was agitating for something to be done. And I think it went into the local parliament, actually. Yeah. New South Wales Parliament. Mm. Well, these days with the cultural change of a change of generation of the police force, they're now looking at these old cold cases mm. and trying to work out why they weren't resolved. I think, Chris, you'll find that they didn't bother about evidence or anything. We know that now, yeah, yeah. but in that's the the reason behind why the investigations didn't proceed. Yeah, and yeah. it's a cultural difference that now the modern police forces are not willing to accept the blame for previous generations. Yep, that's and right. the, the, the current police force are, from the top down, expressing sorrow and sympathy and apologising for this. And, and even the politicians are saying the laws weren't strong enough. They did get away with murder. Yeah. You know, this is... A, you know, but an apology isn't enough. Not really no. enough to the people that... Doesn't do anything for me. When they, and some of those people that were killed were very, very talented people as well. Well, you know. every life is worth living. Oh, of course it is, yeah. And to yeah. be thrown off a cliff. And even now, you know, anti-gay motivation. When does hate stop being hate? It's not a scale, surely. That's right, yeah. It's, well... It's, Pure hate, but anyhow, but they, at least they're trying to rectify the situation. Yeah. But these, doing I take these statements as the very softest way of acknowledging what went on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's There's, right. Yeah, but I, I think Philip, they've got to do that because there is no actual, they, no, no evidence was saved. None of the, nothing was saved from those cases. I think you'll find like they keep evidence for yeah. years and years and years. Well, but, see, now they'll say their hands are tied. Back yeah. in the time their hands were idle. This is right. At and least they're doing something about it. And it, we have actually, in the gay community, 
here in Victoria and other states have received uh, apologies from our politicians as well. That's right. And we've had gay crimes removed from past history books. Hmm. They, they... And now that's happening in Northern Ireland as well. It's happened yes. in UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this uh, pardoning and clearing of records. That's right. Because it's something to go with. I know there were a few people here in Victoria that were actually crying and they they were elderly men now mm. you know because they're older men and they've been having this thing on their sheet all their lives basically yeah. and now they can at least have that extinguished and um they can sort of say well I don't have a record anymore well i can remember when there was a real change of attitude by the victorian police if in fact they bumped into people at places of congregating and they would suggest take yourselves along to the sauna or mm. take yourself to this particular bar. Yeah. You'll find friends there. Mm. Don't do it in the public anymore. They didn't need to bash people up. Mm. I mean, just the mere fact of the cop car with its lights flashing oh. and your car being right next to the, the cop yeah. car meant that, oh, ooh, uh, <laughs> that's ooh, uh. too close for comfort. Thank you. I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> And the lucky last little thing that we saw in the press in the Advocate magazine was in fact that in the UK, the anti-gay conversion therapy is gaining ground. The move to to outlaw conversion therapy is being recognised by the medicos and the professionals as being the wrong solution. Chris, reading the article, in Britain, psychologists and psychiatrists don't have to have a degree or anything. They could just set themselves up as a psychiatrist or psychologist without without anything and just charge what they want to charge and they can tell people what they want to tell them. And I think this is where they don't have the um, legalisation like we do here in Australia where you have to be registered as a psychiatrist or psychologist. In, in our local parliament, Philip, you looked it up. We were, they were looking towards... Um, they're, they're trying to come up with legislation. Yeah. But my question is, when homosexuality was removed from the list of mental illnesses... Yeah. Why didn't this stuff evaporate at that time? Because I think they needed an actual um, legislation to sort of say that they couldn't do do this thing on religious grounds. This is what the people are getting away with. The, the people are doing this on religious grounds mostly because they pray the gay away and all that sort of rubbish, you know. Yeah, and we know that you can't, but it, it, it's very upsetting to young people who might not want to be gay, but they realise they are, and they go along to get these idiots that, sort of do this they do more damage than being gay is yeah well i'm not going to make the statement that nobody wants to be gay but a lot of young gay men look at the way gays have been treated historically why would you want that and then you've got these religious bigots coming out and say well we can fix you yeah they can't they're not broken oh yeah but but if you look into other things that these people probably believe oh god yeah Fortunately, we've had this argument here in Victoria for quite some time now, and locally, those particular activities are outruled, even if they're not legislated against, but the industry has tidied itself up as well here. But the worst part about it was they asked Mr Turnbull to to help them do something about it, and he said, no, it's a state responsibility, we don't want to do anything about it. Thanks, Great leadership. There you go. Our pal now. After our little music break and some messages, we'll be talking about NAIDOC Week, but here's a piece of music from the Pigrim Brothers. Who are a family living in Broome who make the most beautiful music and they're all Indigenous. (laughs) 
notice me in my hometown where I'm from I know it isn't easy I think you might oh, I'm your child Out loud, proud. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. That was a gorgeous little song from the Pigram Brothers. I've got three or four of their recordings and they're wonderful. And I understand that they don't like leaving home. No, they don't. They don't like to travel very much. I think they've been overseas once and yeah. they decided they wouldn't have to go again because too many international travellers come to Broome. If you lived in Broome, everything is too far away from you. <laughs> well, that's what they say about Melbourne. But anyhow, uh, but coming up is NADOC week. Full. The 8th of July through to the 15th of July. Mm. They have a wonderful um, title this, 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 this year. It's Because of Her, We Can. Because of Her, We Can. Yes. Now, the her is the actual women that belong to the indigenous societies. societies. Because the women have been leading in so many cases for the advancement of the situation that they're in. And, of course, in the old days, it was a matriarchal society because the men were the hunter-gatherers and they would have to leave home and go kilometres to find the food, like the kangaroos and snakes. Yeah, so they'd and what be out for days they on end. They could be out for days on end, and the women had to be at home looking after the fires and the camps and the kids and, and the, all the rest of it. Yeah, the babies, yeah. yeah and, and that was the way the society worked very, very well. But then, so I would have thought the men cooperating together was a good example of of oh, uh, with, with, uh, community support. Yeah, but they were hunters. They were hunting together, and they would they yeah. knew how to get the kangaroos into a so the spot women would have been left home on their own to do their own thing. Mm. But it, it's amazing how through the history of um, white civilization here in Australia, it's been the women that have virtually carried the can yeah. for lots and lots of changes and 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 uh, getting up the nose of, of, of governments and everything yeah. with, their, with the way they have worked to get what they want done. Yeah, you know, justice, like, equal rights, that's right. rights to country, that's right. uh, for law and justice, and access I, to education, yep. employment, and to maintain and celebrate uh, culture, language, music, and art. Mm -hmm. That's almost sounding like our mission statement here. <laughs> sort of a bit like it, yeah. It but, is. But, the, but you've got to realise what uh, the, the, these were people that lived here for 65,000 years or more and they never, uh, they, they looked after the country because it was their home and it was their, basically their church as well and uh, they're, because they're very spiritual people and it's just amazing how they could live here for 65,000 years and run the country beautifully and we come in and over just under 200 years we sort of ruined it in lots of lots of well, ways see they preserved it because they knew they had to come back to it that's right yes we're more we don't um 
hunting gather. We just, we just n- knock we it just, down and build. Just, there have been, of course, there have been some absolutely wonderful men who have been at the forefront, like Charlie Perkins, um, and, and he he led the first bus ride into the into the west of New South Wales to Moree and to complain about the Aboriginal children not being allowed to use the swimming pool. And it was, it was quite wonderful. He was, a, he was a wonderful man too with the way he did a lot. And then you, then you had that dreadful situation where they had to, took the children away. And that beautiful song by Archie Roach about the, the took the children away is just so, is so superb and so dramatic, you know, about what happened. But then, of course, nobody wanted to apologise until Kevin Rudd came along and said that they had to have an apology. But see, that's, that's white arrogance, isn't, isn't it? it? Isn't it? We'll take them out of their primitive surroundings <laughs> that have been working successfully for, <laughs> for tens of thousands, thousands of years, years. Yeah. Mm. just because yeah. we believe our way is better. Well, the English way, were, they, they were so perfect in everything they did. You see, that was the point. But well, they, but they, they thought they did. You Racial know. superiority. Yes, that's what it was. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But Cultural it, superiority. Does it really take 200 years for a society to look back and say, not just sorry... But we got it wrong. <laughs> well, they don't. That's the, you don't apologise. You know but how many politicians get up and apologise for anything they make? make, make well, I'm sorry, for? but they should. Yeah, but they should. But see, we, the, and they and the, our indigenous people have never been recognised in the constitution. It, it, to me, it's just it's wrong. But These we people. need to recognise that if if we haven't broken them completely, mm. we should instead of building them little shacks in the suburbs and saying get out of the country move in with us Mm. not give them back their country give them back their society and their storytellers so they should be able to reclaim and if they want to take bits of western society they might want to go and get a cooked chicken Mm. instead of killing a kangaroo them figure it out and do it their way well this is the point you see they've always been controlled by the white government well the churches churches yeah they did the thing when they came in and then the state's when they set up their organisations, mm. recognising that there were Aborigines involved, mm. they would name those people as controllers or protectors. That's right, protectors. And, and, then, and yeah. that was the last thing that they actually really should have been doing. But That's we right. were trying to fix the problem. But there was no problem there the, in the, the first The problem place. was they weren't white. Yeah, yeah. that's the only thing. And yeah. they weren't doing it our way. Yeah. But I was listening to the television the other night, and there was one of the schools I, they were talking about has started teaching the Aboriginal language, the Indigenous language of that area, oh. which is absolutely wonderful mm. because there's so many dialects of, and they've all died out because nobody's been able to keep them going, which is well, the, which is the worst part. they've got their songs. They've got uh, the dreaming story. They've just got the basic day-to-day language that is all interesting, mm. as interesting as any of the other uh, prime foreign languages that we don't ever speak here in Australia mm. either, mm. the were, European languages. There was somebody was comparing the the creation stories of the indigenous people with the church stories, yeah. and it's almost identical, what, they, the, what they've come up with. Yeah. Um, they had their own gods, uh, like the, the, the snakes and the, and the animals and everything yeah. that, that controlled everything, which were, I suppose you could call it God, the Father, God, the Son of God, the Holy Ghost, you know, yeah. in, in what we do now, you know, which is, which is it, it, it seems to be that the humanity was, the, the human feeling was the same there in the yeah. brain. But see, that's it, it's humanity. And humans are the only animal on the planet that ask questions like why? Yeah, why right. are we here? Where did we come from? Mm. There are no answers to that no. because we've just happened. We're survival of the fittest or... Hmm. Who knows what terms would be more accurate? Uh, and of course, the the, the so, but see, religion comes along and says, "Oh, well, this is why." 
Yeah, this is why. Yeah, and like hell it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a man made up a story. But see, there was a the indigenous races and the communities, they came down through New Guinea because there was a land bridge to the north of Australia mm. and then they were able to get into Tasmania because there was a land bridge across the Bass Strait in the old days that they were able to walk across the there. Tide and to show out, yeah, how superior they were. Not the tide were. was out, it was, we were connected. Just to let you know how superior they were, it wasn't a toll bridge. Oh, it was they free. They didn't charge them. <laughs> no east-west link there. Oh, no, golly no. So there'll be lots of NADOC week activities in the coming week from uh, the period of 8th of July mm. to the 15th. And uh, it's an opportunity for us ignorant people to learn a bit more about our Indigenous mm-hmm. cultures yep. here on Joy. Love Radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. You're with Chris. Gordon and Phil, been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. Now, what have we got this time? We've got a small little situation of Captain Cook. What did he go and do? Well, he sort of went to the, was out in the, to um, somewhere and he was looking for a place and he ran, he ran smack bang into the... Um, the, the, the east great, coast of Australia, the Great Southland. Well, he did. Was he beat New Zealand first, though. Was this the search for the transit of Venus? Transit of Venus, yes, that's right. That that's would, right. That, that would, was would. where the shadow of the Earth goes across the face of Venus. But after he'd done that, he then, as you said, bumped into the... Uh, Easternmost point in Australia was what the first part was seen, and it was named after the fellow that saw it, who was up at the mast and saw the land. Oh, really? Cape Hicks. Byron. Hicks, his name. Cape Hicks. In, he was in the crow's nest. Yes, that's right. He was up in the crow's nest. But <laughs> but then, then Captain Cook sailed up the, oh, yeah, the east coast. He turned right, did he? He went turned, uphill. turned right. Yeah, went, he actually turned starboard and went up <laughs> up the hill. And, and he <laughs> saw this little bit of a bay sort of thing, and it was Botany Bay. We, we went yeah. into Botany Bay, and he called it that because of all the actual wonderful flowers and different sort of stuff. And saw then there. he turned around and... and Kept going, kept upwards. going, and he missed Port Jackson, but didn't even see the opening from the, uh, the heads to and go then, in. No, he just drove straight past. North and and uh, he got into a spot of bother. Round the ground, round the ground at the, in the, the rip, hull. Took, took some of the timbers off the hull, yeah. On the Great Barrier Reef, on the Great Barrier. and he, he beached the boat, and then they repaired it with some local timbers. They were able to cut the timber and and fix the boat up, make planks out of it. Uh, yeah, and then and, they refloated and dro- and, and sailed on. Sailed, and that little village ended up with a name. It was 1770 they called it, yes. and that's what it is actually called. That's what it's called, 1770, and that's the uh, that's because um, of Captain Cook. He named Muck, that place. Up his boat. Well, that's right. <laughs> he he recorded the name of that little spot as a date rather that's than right. a name. Mm, mm, there you mm. go. So you missed out. Yeah, yeah. terrific. But, but then, the, the, eighteen years later, somebody else came back with a boatload of convicts, and that was because of another thing that happened with the with another Eng, English colony, the American colonies. Well, the American colonies, the New World. The New World, yes. Um, it was not discovered by Christopher Columbus. No. It was always there. It was always there. They, we've always been here, but people have said, decided they've discovered it, but no. And, and Spain, as a country, was trying to increase its uh, wealth mm-hmm. and be a world power. Mm-hmm. And all the others, world powers of that time, decided to get in on the act. So the Dutch and the French and the English, they all quickly whizzed across and the said, actual, we've the, got a little bit here for ourselves. Yeah, but the British actually sent a bloke who was a Portuguese sailor called Cabot 
C-A-B-O-T, and he went across there. He was the first English ship to go across the yeah. Atlantic to find it, and he thought he'd reached Asia. Aha, uh-huh. <laughs> difference. Yes. And uh, But then, so then they decided they would settle. The Pilgrim Fathers went over there and settled. The, and um, eventually they got, the, the British colony there got jack of being controlled remotely uh, three months away <clears throat> by the English. By the and they English. said, uh, up you, Jack. No, it was up you, George, the third. Oh, that's actually. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they had such disrespect, they would have called him Jack. Yeah, probably would have too, yeah. But yeah. it was George the third who was on the uh, was um, the ruler at the time. And uh, So they... had the English basically said, we grabbed the whole of the continent, or was it still at that stage a portion only? They didn't own the French part, which was Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, they bought that years later. Um, they, the, the Americans bought that years later. That and made was the Louisiana States. Purchase. That's right, yes. yes. And Which I is where birds in Louisiana sit in their cages. Ah. On uh, the Purchase. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, north of what we now think of as New York and things like that, uh, was the Canadian area. Yeah. But the, and that was French. And that's, that's why French. there's such a French heritage well, still remaining there. They still speak French and they think they're French, but they're not French. When they go to speak... No. A, they're not at all rude. Yeah. <laughs> How can you be French? <laughs> And there's lots of relics in New York of the Dutch. It was originally called New Amsterdam and then changed its name. But the what British was one of the governors? Peter Stuyvesant. Peter Stuyvesant, yes, which they named after a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful product after. And then when the British took over, when the British beat the Dutch to it, they renamed it New York. So about from York. So there's a little bit of a hotbed of land grabbing going on. Of course, the the local inhabitants they were totally ignored as well. But then they? again, the um, the Americans got very tired of the British taxing them. They said no taxation without representation because they couldn't send anybody to England to be part of their controlling body. Mm. And so that they had a slightly little contretemps with uh, some tea bags. And they, yeah. they, to- well, they, to- they completely misunderstood the no- the meaning of a tea party Is that what because they tipped all the tea into Boston Harbour. You're supposed to boil Not it. Not a though. party at all. No, but you, you, you realise why. They, it, because tea in those days was the most ex, one of the most expensive commodities you could buy. And it would have been one of the most British things you could buy. Yeah, but the British, the British used to have tea caddies that they locked away so people couldn't get to it. Mm-hmm. It was that expensive. But, but even now, the Americans will drink tea as chilled. Hot tea is something that you have to specify in a restaurant. They'll drive on the other side of the road to the English. They'll eat their food with a fork in their right hand. All sorts of little things just to niggle the English to this very day. Coming up, of course, on the 4th of July in 1776, the peasants revolted, actually, and they they won the War of Independence. and. Or, or they started the War of Independence, I think. And then they were on their own, as it were, mm, and that mm. got and a, them thinking, how are we going to manage this mess that yeah. we've got ourselves into? But the, but the British then had nowhere to send their prisoners. Oh, they of had, course not. They were, sending, they were sending prisoners to um, uh, America at the time as well. So uh, the Parliament, in its wisdom, decided, that, look, Captain Cook found this country right on the other side of the world. We'll send our prisoners down there. Because oh. uh, so you they'll see, never the, find their way home. They'll never find their way home again. Yeah. <laughs> and but that's that's so you, you can blame the American War of Independence and the uh, July the fourth, seventeen seventy six, yeah. as the 
as the idea that started Australia. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I would just hope that everybody in Australia doesn't celebrate Independence Day. No, the, the, the 4th of July is not one of our celebrations. No, it isn't. But the, the Americans, when they're living here, well, they do celebrate. the influence yeah. of the US culture. Yeah, yeah. On they should also temper their celebration this year because New York was the arrival point for all the immigration that came into America. Yeah. Now they have a president who's trying to stop, stop immigration. Mm. Mm. What the country was literally built on. Well, it's... it's, and, it's uh, we had well, the, the same in here. last week's program, we mentioned about the Statue of Liberty arriving in 350 pieces as mm. a present from the French. French. The Americans have always been quite insular in their attitudes, and it's only after the First World War that they started to spread their, their what's name, around the world. Because the Hegem- First World War... Hegemony? Hegemony, yeah. Hegemony, yes. Yes, because... Uh, and then uh, it just goes now... And Mr. Trump. He's saying, well, we're going to withdraw ourselves from that world. Mm, and mm. He's uh, going back to the isolationist yeah, thing. Yeah. He's pulled the plug out of the bath. And, and we must also remember that 50 years in ago, we were invaded by an American product called McDonald's. McDonald's, <gasps> yes. Yeah. Oh, so, yes. golly gosh. Yeah, so, so all the things have but gone west. For all our American listeners, a happy, happy 4th of July anyhow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And hope you have a great day. And good luck. Good luck with getting <laughs> rid of get, getting rid of some of the rubbish that you've also got. Also on the fourth of July, nineteen forty seven, was born Jacques Morale, the French music composer mm-hmm. who died in nineteen ninety one. We know what he did, didn't you? Well, he went west, uh, and, uh, and he formed a group. He actually spawned lots of little uh, groups. So there was the girls, mm. the Richie family, and I won't play there because. Nobody knows them until I play it. And they say, oh, that one, isn't, didn't <laughs> they, they do groan. anything else? Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll play instead one that is not by the Pet Shop Boys because on the 10th of July, 1954, Neil Tennant, the uh, Pet Shop Boys pop musician, was born. Mm-hmm. But they also sang this song. However, it's it's the village people who were a creation of oh. Jacques Morale. Out loud, proud. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. 
We've got a couple of birthdays on the list here, Gordon. Yes, yes. On the 9th of July, 1937, was born David Hockney, yes. a UK painter. And he is still painting. What? Oh, he must have a big pot and a long brush. Mm. Does he do living rooms? He's, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, I saw him being interviewed on the television. He's, he's got part of a, an exhibition was coming to Australia somewhere. I have a feeling it was talking about. He's been a he's been painting for years. He was a gorgeous looking guy when he was young, yeah. but like a, like a, all of us as we get old, we sort of do mellow into something else. But um, but his his some of his paintings are absolutely brilliant. By his style, would we know that he has a, a general theme that carries through his output? Oh, he painted all sorts of stuff. Paint. Well, why do I think therefore of swimming pools? Well, I think he, one of some of his um, paintings have been about boys around swimming pools or the ocean beaches or something yeah. like that. Yeah, he was very <laughs> fond of doing that. But then he left Britain and went to live in America. He's lived in America for a long, long time now in uh, California. But his uh, his paintings, um, if you can buy one, you'd probably be hundreds and hundreds of thousands, or even probably a million or two. But uh, he's a very, very popular painter. He's been around for so long. Yeah. You get in trouble these days taking pictures of young boys in swimming pools. Yes, yes. I yes. think that would be frowned upon quite yeah, greatly. But I think I think it, it well they um he painted them as from live because yeah. he's such a brilliant painter he could he could picture people. He knew how to paint a human body so he could just paint. Well, they can't be real little boys because they're not going to stand still long enough to be painted. Exactly <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Especially in a swimming pool. Especially near a swimming pool and they're getting sunburnt or something rather than hopping around on hot sand. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, his, 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 his paintings are absolutely lovely. He's very, very, very clever. So what you're saying, Gordon, is that Hockney, being openly gay, explored the nature of gay love in his portraiture. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's a theme that you'd get known by, but well, also it's, it's open. It's, you'd never run out of subject matter. No, it's, and it's also, uh, also open to interpretation as well, which is what most art is unless you're looking at some of the old masters when you know exactly what they're talking about. But um, some of the, stu- some of the modern stuff that they're yeah. painting these days, you, you've really got to look into it. Mm. And in, apart from being a painter of his own, he was also a teacher. He mm. was teaching art at UCLA, and he met one of his models there, an art student who posed for paintings and drawings, and with whom he was romantically involved. involved. Yes, they had, I think they had a, rather a long romance or relationship yeah. didn't they yeah. it's called mentoring it's mentoring is it when you lock Bert the door Newton and mentioned <laughs> on the logies the other day <laughs> yeah oh, lock the door gosh. and mentor the other the other person that we, we're thinking about is an australian actually an australian musician percy granger, percy granger. i think you're yes, meaning that's right he was born on the 8th of july 1882 mm-hmm. i know that's a long time ago and he died a long time ago in 1961 mm-hmm. however why would he be famous well his music is still being played it's it's still oh, he played. was a music composer yeah he in the country garden and stuff like that which he composed when he was in britain he was a friend of uh, grieg and uh, a couple of other i think not sure whether it was delius but they were they they collected folk tunes, folk tunes and turned them into a oh, bigger uh, reinterpreted pre- them into yeah, bigger something oh, so bigger. So they sampled old music mm. and then created. So see, nothing's new nothing's in the music new, yeah. world. Yeah, but then he sampling is happening and he even now. Came back to Australia and he decided he'd have to have a museum and he approached the Melbourne University 
and Melbourne University said, well, you'll have to pay for it or something. Or he said, if oh, I pay for it, I will build it. And he was the architect and all the rest of it, and so he built it, and it's up there. But there are certain parts of the university you have to get permission to go into because it's where he stores all his whips. What? He was into flagellation what? and, um, and uh, that sort of thing, yeah. Mm. He was a kingster. Oh, he was kinky. He was well kinky, yeah, yeah. How do you know? <laughs> Who told you? Well, you, you read biographies. <laughs> How well did you know, you Mr. Read, Granger? You read biographies and you know what he did. Oh, yes, okay. yes. But, but I think there's more to this story. Well, I, nothing to do with me. Not the whip, the whip, anything but the whip, anything. No, no, the didn't whip. Didn't he involve his his mother in some of his? His mother was uh, his mother was um, something a bit like that as well. I think uh, the pair of them used to enjoy it. Maybe we could talk about the weather. No, no. Well, <laughs> when you're driving up Sydney Road, yes, you'll this, see this brick building, and it looks like, like from the outside toilet. like a toilet block. <laughs> yes, it's it got does, those yes. glass, glass bricks, bricks in, in the wall that's for right. letting the yes, light through. That's right, yeah. And it's got curved walls. Mm. It's sort of late Art Deco, mm. uh, <laughs> which. But yes, yeah, so that's him. And, yeah, and you can go in there. It's now, open. Didn't mm. he also have some magic musical device that he? Oh, invented? he invented a sort an electronic piano device sort of thing that was well ahead of its time. He was he was always interested in the way musical instruments worked. It's still you can see that instrument. It's still it's in the museum up there at uh, at the uni. Now, if you're a fan of Big Bang Theory, you'll know that Sheldon Cooper has played one of these devices sitting on the stair. He was with this this. It looks like a open fly swat, hmm. and he would introduce his hand to it and pass it, and it would create a sound oh, wave. Are we referring? We're referring to the theremin. Exactly. Yes, yes. Thank you, Philip. <laughs> Which I think interacts with the electrical properties of our skin. We would have certain well units of capacity. It's yeah. hard to explain in. Well, we in layman's terms, we are basically electric. Well, we devices. are. We have an electric. Um, so we would be injured. Magnetic personality is well, some well. of us, mm. yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Not like my photographic memory that never developed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. the theremin works, Philip? Through our hand or our bodies or our interaction with the electric fields that it generates. Mm. And there are knobs to make the sounds different. And it's. A very unique... No, it's unique. Can't be more unique or very unique. Or <laughs> it has to be just uniquest. unique. Well, I can be bestest at something. It's not the uniqueest. <laughs> I'm betterer. <laughs> so it can be uniquer. It, it is... Well, it's not one of a kind. It's a mass-produced electrical device. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's weird. It's a novelty device... And it doesn't allow you to actually play a particular note and sustain that note because no. the field is changing all yes, the time, so the sound will be wavering. I think every performance would be original because it would be very hard to It'd duplicate be very hard what to you do. Yeah, yeah. By the sound, if, yeah, unless you actually recorded it when you were doing it, then you could play it back. That would be the but only on way you'd get that. Big Bang Theory... I think Sheldon was actually trying to play a particular tune and he got a little bit of it going, but I'm sure they dubbed the soundtrack afterwards. Mm. Well, they would probably have had to. Yeah, yeah. because the, the location of the hand to end in the field to create that note is different from the next note, which is from a hand being in a different position. So, yeah. Me, me and musical instruments, that would probably be about the only one I could play. Oh, 
just throwing my hand around like that and getting different sounds. But <laughs> electronic sounds go way back in our modern history. Often. There were a couple of gentlemen in Palo Alto in California, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's now the middle of Silicon Valley. Yeah. There was a Mr. Hewlett and a Mr. Packard. Oh, right. And they introduced an oscillator, yeah. which is a bit like the pheromone, but more reproducible. Yeah. And they were hired by this man called Disney, who was working on a film called Fantasia. Yeah. Mm. And he wanted some noises that the orchestra couldn't make. So they were non-musical music. So they created this oscillator with knobs and switches on it to make these noises. And that was the first product they ever developed. Wow, excellent. And they went on to bigger and better things. It, and I, I thought they might have made cars. You said Packard. No, no Hewlett-Packard. Hewlett-Packard. The computers and medical equipment. Oh, HP. Right. HP. Yeah. House of the Parliament is thinking source. No, no, black source. Yeah. HP, yeah. No, 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 HP computers. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, which became compact, which became nothing. Oh, anyway. oh dear, now the Chinese have bought HP and they've, that's the, the computer that I've got at home. It's an oh. HP. The, but also that development of electronic music then had Monsieur Merg. Mug. Mug. Mug synthesizer. And Don't say that twice in a hurry. No. Synthesizer. And that was the earliest synthesizer. But you needed to be a commercial airline pilot to fly that thing. Yeah. It had so many knobs and buttons. And jacks. It was like an old telephone exchange. It was horrible. <laughs> and one of the developers of that was Walter Carlos. And Walter was true to his spirit and later known in his productive life as Wendy Carlos. Mm. A very successful transition. And there, of course, from uh, these Moog synthesizers is our latest synthesizers and keyboards and electronic music and looping, which I think happens in in song contests like... uh, Eurovision, the girl won it with the looping here. Well, a little closer to home. And the boy won the the voice, didn't he? Two weeks ago. Mm. Really? Sam Preston. He's very talented. <laughs> yeah. Well, enough of this rubbish. Yes. Let's go away, gentlemen, and find out what we can talk about next week and come back next time. Oh, in another and week's time. do another program. Oh, and on. we hope that you will listen to us. I'm sure of this something will carry have happened. On. Yes. This scintillating, electrifying conversation. Oh. <laughs> yes, well, it is electrifying, isn't it? Because that's what's happening to us. Yeah. Yeah. We've there been digitized. We Thank you very much. All the best. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Joy 94.9. To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.